Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Capes and Lunatics podcast. As always, I am Phil, and joining me, my co-hosts, Lilith and Charlie. So what are we going to discuss today, everyone? Hmm. Wait, who's that? Oh, hi, guys. Uh, sorry to interrupt your podcast. Um, I was let in the front door. I hope that's okay, Phil. Hey, Ray. You're always <laughs> welcome. What's up? Oh, cool. Well, it's um, it's a little important. I uh, I'm here as a herald of of Conchu. Uh, Phil Conchu actually really wants to see you. Uh, I mean, like really wants to see you. Uh, so, are you available? Of course, I'm always available for you and the uh, great Conchu. Fight me, Moon Knight nerd. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Settle down, settle down. (laughs) He needs our help. Well, yeah, it's, um, Conchu tells me it's a very important matter that cannot be uh, resolved unless it's face-to-face, so he made it uh, imperative that I bring you over to the Grant Mansion. All right, well, I can come with you. I know the hip language the kids use these days. I know, Charlie, <laughs> but they need me, all right? So I'll be back, really, in yeah, no so, time at all. What about our Quasar podcast, The Quantum Zone? Well, I'll be back, all right? <laughs> Chill. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Charlie. Sorry, Lilith. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to kidnap Phil, uh, literally. So, so come with me, Phil. Let's go. All right. Welcome back, Looney listeners. Uh, this is another Isla Ra episode, a special Isla Ra sessions for you. Um, and we have a very special guest for for tonight. Um, we are, as you've heard, uh, I've, I've had to kind of take him from his podcast show and bring him over to Grant Mansion. We're sitting here, nice plush leather chairs. We have the fire roaring a bit of a bit of JS bark in the background. Um, I hope you're not too unsettled. But yes, our guest is none other than Phil. Fill me in, Perich. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good, good. It's so cool to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, can't wait to get into your your books, your Isla Ra books. Um, but uh, as many of you loonies may know, Phil is uh, is a host of uh, co-host of a, a podcast, Capes and Lunatics. We'll get into that as well. But um, Phil, I, I hope your journey here was good. Um, are you up for a drink or anything? Uh, yeah, sure. What do we got, Samuels? Uh, anything uh, good on? Uh... <laughs> yeah, hang on. Uh, let me let me just ring the bell. Okay, we'll wait for Samuels to come along. Ah, uh, look, Samuels can can whip up anything. Like, seriously, seriously, between you and me as well. You know, just just 
push his boundaries. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's here to serve. So, yeah, let, let's make full use of it. Um, while we wait for him, uh, Phil, of course, welcome, welcome. Um, and as we always say on this show as well, we want to kick off with basically getting to know you. Um, you know, I know that you're a big Moon Knight fan yourself. And, and the whole idea for the Isla Ra sessions was was to kind of, A, I guess, be a gateway to comics that you may or may not have heard of and uh, may pique your interest, but, but B, also just to get to know more Moon Knight fans in general. So uh, I'd like to kick off with our usual first question, Phil. How, how did you get into comics? Um, it's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> if I say the years, you'll know what an old man I am, but... Uh, I, I grew up in the 80s, and I grew up watching uh, the, tri- the original Transformers cartoon, mm-hmm. and I discovered the Marvel issues of Transformers, oh. and that was like my first foray in the comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you collect the and toys it, as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I had mm. a ton of those Transformers toys. Um, but yeah, like I said, like those Transformers comics and like... The other lines they had like GI Joe comics. Those are all I, I call those like the gateway drugs. You know, they get you in the yeah. comics. And then I started rolling into you know, I knew Spider Man from Saturday morning cartoons. So I'm like, hey, let me pick up, start picking up some Spider Man and some Hulk, and mm. I even dabbled in some DC. You know, Batman, Superman, and just yeah. snowballed from there. I guess because um, uh, listeners, leaning listeners, you um, just in case you, you want to know, Phil and I, we are of the same vintage. <laughs> um, um, yes. But I reckon that time growing up, Phil, was really, really good. Like, we were very lucky. I mean, we're lucky now because, my gosh, you know, the films that we get, the TV shows that we get. But back in the day when you were a kid, I, I find it all kind of snowballed together. You, you're talking about G.I. Joe, Transformers. Look, you've got the toys. You've got the, um, the cartoons. You have the comics. And I guess that kind of all pushed each other towards, I guess, a fandom of sorts. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think especially like those cartoons. I mean, I know people say they're like commercials for those toys and everything, mm. but I mean, I, I guess they do have cartoons now these days as well. I mean, obviously, it's not it's not like a, an old thing, but uh, and maybe it was more special for us because we were living it in it as as kids. But no, yeah, I found them uh, very, very effective. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, so so Spider Man, the Hulk. Did you did you watch the the Hulk TV show as well? Um, did you catch? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, me- I remember when I was very young catching like the tail end. That I might have been first run, but yeah. And then years later, they're like in repeats. Yeah, oh yeah, the the Bill Bixby Hulk show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite. <laughs> oh, hang on. Here's Samuels. Hi, Samuels. How are you? <clears throat> yes, grizzly as ever. Look, um. Phil, we, we have a special guest here, Phil. Um, Phil, what would you what would you like to drink? I don't know. I'm usually not a big alcohol drinker, but I don't know. I'm, I was thinking, what would Mark Spector drink? Is he like a whiskey man or? Oh, I reckon he's a. I reckon he's a whiskey man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll take a, a whiskey. All right, okay, Samuels, give uh, give Phil a nice Isla Isla whiskey, um, mm. nice peaty. Uh, and I'll uh, look. I'm, I'm going to have to jump in as well. Give me one of, the, uh, give me an Irish whiskey, Samuels. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and, and have a bit for yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Samuels. Oh, I like uh, poking fun at him. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. while we wait for those drinks, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean the the comics, the Hulk TV show, Spider Man cartoon uh, that was that was quite good as well. Um, you have a what, what would you say is your your leanings to now? Are you a like a you're more of a DC fan, yeah? Or not that there's anything wrong with one or the other. I just you know. Yeah, um, I kind of I kind of go both ways, Marvel and DC. I mean, it probably depends on the day what you ask me what I prefer, but. I mean, I'm very big in the both. I collect a lot of yeah. from both, so. Yeah, you, you are the uh, the model, I guess, comic fan. He who does not discriminate, which is really good. You know, because there's always that kind of rivalry. And there's nothing wrong with a bit of friendly rivalry as well. But um, it's good to good that you, you read anything. In it. Do, you, do you read anything beyond Marvel and DC? Do you go any... Um... I uh, sometimes I uh, look at other stuff. Like I know regularly from Image, I'll read Spawn and Walking Dead, and every once in a while pick up, you know, if anything else strikes my. But yeah, Spawn and Walking Dead are like the big. Uh, ah, how's how's Spawn going? Is that going well? Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, I think McFarland has like shied away from like, well, there's still supernatural elements, but he kind of making it more superhero or it's like a big conspiracy thing going on right now right. um the, the thing i think spawn had the advantage spawn has over like any of the marvel or dc stuff or like the characters age and move on oh okay so like kind of like judge dread in the, in the way yeah 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 because like the um the little girl cyan like when the series started she was a she was a pretty tiny girl and now she's like a teenager yeah i'm um... I do. It's not not like a pet peeve, but yeah, I do. Kind of t- does kind of rub me the wrong way when you have like a little, like a child character, and they just never grow up. I mean, it's it's a lot more palatable if you know the person's grown up and you know um, uh, are in their twenties or thirties for a long time. But I do like how. Um, have you read the Punisher Max series as well? Uh no, no, no. No, oh, Phil, you got to. Oh, I've been re- I've been reading some Punisher, especially lately. Have you uh-huh. read the, the new Pun the new Punisher number one that came out? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Are you enjoying that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. Um, the the reason I asked about the Punisher Max is it's really good because it sets Frank as um like real time as if he was in the Vietnam War. So he's like mm. in his mid fifties, I think, or something like that. Um. It's at uh, the Punisher Max series, so he's a lot older, he's a lot more worn, uh, which is which makes it interesting because it, it gives that level of vulnerability. You know, with superheroes, they can be like you know untouchable, and, and the Punisher, especially his line of work with bullets and such, uh, it is quite amazing how he hasn't hasn't you know been killed yet. But but now <laughs> having him older, yeah, it just gives him that level of oh gosh, he, he could kind of go any second, which is really good. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh, thank you, Samuels. Thank you. That was quick, uh, Samuels. Or just there you go, Phil. There's your, uh, there's your whiskey. I hope it's not too strong. Um, thank you, Samuels. That's mm, that's that's quite good. That's quite good. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> Excellent. You know, nothing but the best at Grant Mansion, must I say? Thank you, Samuels. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. So with drink in hand um, and comic books, that's how you come about. So. I want to dig a little deeper, Phil, like uh, how you got into comics and such. So, were your first comics Transformers? Um, how, yes. how how was it, like, with your family? Like, was it your mum or dad or, or 
anyone say, look, you know, here's a comic, have a go at it? Or was it you purely finding out yourself amongst your siblings or what have you? Um, well, I'm an only child, so the sibling route was uh, no go. Uh, <laughs> no, I remember the, the, those very first Transformers. Um, my mother took me to the, the one of the local to- toy stores, and they would have like a three-pack of comics. Oh. And I, I believe the first pack I got was like Transformers 7, 8, and 9. Okay. So, um, so I start, yeah, so I started reading those and, uh, and how my, old, how old were you? Oh, I was probably, well, I know I started collecting comics like hardcore at like 10, so I was probably like eight or nine, maybe. Okay. Very, yeah. It's a good age to, to get into it. Yeah. And I mean, my, my mother was always a big reader of like books, not comics, but, mm-hmm. uh, so the, so the, you know, her attitude was like, well, at least he's reading something and, uh. Yeah. So she she would always pick me up stuff or something. You know, if my dad was on his way home from work, he might pick me up something at the uh, local corner store. You know, we used to have the spinner racks in all of our uh, convenience yeah. stores or grocery stores. Yeah, that's really encouraging. I mean, that's really nice to hear as well. I mean, I know my mum was very encouraging as well. My dad actually absolutely hated me collecting comics. You know, thought it was, <laughs> thought it was a waste of money. Yeah, yeah. Which I think maybe partially now is a kind of a, resp- a response to it from my childhood um but yeah no he was totally against it he yeah you know, so he he said stop collecting comics it's really bad oh oh yeah. my oh my father my father couldn't say anything when he was a child um he he when he was a when he was a young kid it was right around that time when like the avengers and like spider-man and like everything was you know the very first oh, issues of all those were coming out cool like you got rid of those oh, oh no <laughs> far out that'd be awesome but um oh yeah now that's really cool to hear that they're very they're very encouraging encouraging for it because I was going to ask as well like um, what what the rest of your family thought of thought of comics um, your mum's quite um, bookish so that that kind of makes sense um, yeah yeah right yeah and and your local comic book store uh, what we usually do as well on the Isle of Ra and we are big supporters of local comic book stores so hashtag support your LCS. Uh, we like to give a shout out to to you know the people that are from the grassroots up you know that, that are doing the hard yards that are supplying these beautiful stories and, and artworks to us um, so have you got a, a local comic book store near round or, or, or do you order from somewhere uh, no I have a uh, local place it's like right on my way home from work it's um, infinity comics in uh, Murraysville Pennsylvania cool it's a it's a really small shop because like the owner is like the only uh, employee oh wow wow that yeah, is small <laughs> yeah it's a, it, it's a really small shop it's like back in the corner of this shopping center and yeah he's he's been there for a long time because i went in there as a teenager and you know how old we are now so. yeah <laughs> and and he's, yeah, in he's a sho- been there for a while and he's in the shopping center like i'm assuming there are cinemas in there as well uh it's no it's more it, no it's just like um more retail like he's between like a pizza shop okay. and it used to be a radio shack before they went out of business now uh, it's like an eyeglass place yes oh, okay because i was about to say like you know with the movies and all that out you know i can't imagine one man show trying to tackle like a plethora of customers because i can only imagine you know if the avengers infinity war or something was on show and it's in a shopping mm. mall there'd be a lot of interest in comic book shops i mean there, there, there's a i find there's a curiosity um from non-comic book fans uh my my uh, lcs has moved to a temporary location because their property where they've been for for 16 years uh they've been asked to move for development 
Um, mm. So so they've moved to actually more to the heart of the city. And it's really funny. I went there the other day just to finally collect my stuff and have a little chat with them. And uh, you see all these suits because it's in the CBD, right? You see all these suits kind of walk past and um, they've, they've got life-size Wonder Woman and Batman uh, and Deadpool models on the front window. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just like watching people who aren't typically into comics but know of it because of the movies and, and pop culture now. Just, you know, kind of had a little little nosy inside. Um, it, it's, it's encouraging for the industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the numbers on the actual books are, but... Mm, yeah, well, yeah, that's another thing, I guess. Uh, yeah. But I, I, <laughs> I tend to be an ostrich in the sand there, so let's let's not talk about that. They're still going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let yes, alone the Moon Knight ones. Um, but hang on, let us... Uh, w- w- Describe for us that, that Infinity Comics. Um, as you go through, it's a small store. Uh, what do they sell? Do they sell trades, collectibles, figures, uh, cards? Um, now he sells, yeah, he sells, you know, the, your regular monthly uh, copies. He sells graph, uh, trades and graphic novels. Um, he has, a, when you first walk in, there's like a big, there's, well, not too big, but there's like a display case of like statues and. Um, nice. He's been setting up shelves for. Um, he's been selling a bunch of uh, Funko Pops now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you collect uh, some Funko Pops, Phil? Yes, yes. I have a, a few here. Uh, I got a red, a red, red Daredevil, yellow Daredevil. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. Daredevils. Are you are you a big Daredevil fan? Oh well, actually, hang on. I probably know the answer to that, but yeah, are you a big Daredevil fan? Yeah, um, I kind of like. I usually like. I mean, I read cosmic stuff too, but I'm probably the biggest fan of like the street level stuff. You know, like mm. Spider Man, Daredevil, and on the other side, like Batman, Nightwing. Because um, Looney listeners as well, obviously, Capes and Lunatics are part of the Collective, which is a a band of like minded podcasts coming together, um, and they cover anything from you know all pop culture stuff to to comic book characters. And Phil, you um, recently, recently-ish, have have uh, started incorporating the the quantum zone in Capes and Lunatics, which is basically Quasar, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've I've loved that character since I discovered him. What was that? Eighty nine. So yeah, I was like yeah. eleven years old. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he Quasar's for, was fortunate enough to have the caliber of uh, you know Mark Grunwald uh, riding. I mean, I, I, I'm take it you're a fan as well. I, I absolutely love his writing. Oh yeah, I love Mark Greenwald, and the, I, I'm so sad that he's gone. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. if I if I could have picked one person to talk to on my podcast, it would have been Mark Greenwald. Yeah, yeah. And and let's let's talk about the um, actually it's a good segue. Let's talk about um, podcasting. So you are a prolific podcaster. Um, Capes and Lunatics are great. We will put the obviously the um, information in the show notes as well. As I mentioned before, Capes and Lunatics are part of the collective. So on Twitter, it's hashtag the collective net. I think it is these days. You can just look at that, and um, you can find you can find some stuff on Capes and Lunatics. There there are offshoots of Capes and Lunatics as well, isn't there, Phil? Uh, sidekicks. I know that's ah, uh, yeah, that's our other one, our Capes and Lunatics sidekicks. It uh, a lot of that is like, like 
the Quantum Zone where we review Quasar, and mm-hmm. we have uh, Wade's World where we do like Deadpool stuff. That yeah, the Sidekicks is more like yeah, we review that older stuff, and then Capes and Lunatics uh, proper is the uh, usually uh, re- talk about newer stuff, comics, yeah. TV, movies. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, how did you get into podcasting? Like, what what was the driver for it? Um, it's kind of funny because like I have a job. I've been there for a while now where. I'm fortunate enough where I can listen to podcasts like such as this one um, at work. So I was listening to other stuff. Oh, what was this? Like 2014 and 2014. And mm-hmm. I was listening to basically music and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Let me check in. I knew nothing about podcasts. I'm like, I've heard of these podcasts. Let mm-hmm. me go check. So I went, I discovered one about the TV show Arrow, mm-hmm. uh, which I was watching. And I followed them on Twitter and I discovered the host Lilith Hellfire was looking for a co-host and so or, or at least someone to guest for one episode so I wrote to her and she put me on a podcast for the first time which I again I knew nothing about and wow just after a few years yeah after that uh, I got hooked up with the Southgate Media Group and, and yeah. I started some podcasting yeah and then oh wow and and how do you know uh so that, that's uh, amazing it's the first time I've, I've heard of it as well um but yeah i didn't really i didn't realize that you found podcasting through Lil- lilith that's pretty cool yes yeah that's what i said and she's ha- like she's, yeah she's like my uh obi-wan kenobi she taught me everything <laughs> I know. and and how about um how about the irrepressible charlie essa how, how did you how do you know him uh well well we were um I was doing some stuff for um, Rob, who runs our network. For um, he was doing the Nuff Said uh, podcast, which is like everything Marvel. And I mm-hmm. guess Charlie, Charlie had been writing to him, and he started doing a blog. And then uh, Rob said, "Oh, this blog is good." He says, "Why don't you do a show?" And he named it after the blog, Super Connectivity. And then he said he was looking for someone to co-host with Charlie. And after like I don't know an episode or two of him doing it himself. He says he says Phil. He's like one of Phil and Charlie do this together. So ah, nice. We've been doing it every ever since. We just uh, passed 200 episodes a little bit ago for Super Connectivity. Yeah, that's a, a massive milestone, and uh, I I would urge Loonies to to check it out as well. There's really nice um, uh, repartee between between the hosts as well. Um, I yeah I, I, I do. I've, actually, I've heard. Truth be told, I heard I hear more of you and Charlie, uh, a little less of Lilith. She's on because um, you you cover stuff like Angel as well, yeah, um, the TV show. Um, yeah, on our Capes and Lunatics sidekicks, we've yep. been kind of mixing it up because yep. yeah, her and I have been reviewing Angel this summer. Um, yep. After we finish the first season, I think we're gonna go back because we were doing a show, Newcastle Crew, about uh, yep. John Constantine, which we're probably gonna get back to once Legends of Tomorrow starts. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, John Constantine. That's uh, that's quite good. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and Southgate um, is that? Is that the South- network? Sorry? Southgate Media Group. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And they so they do a whole whole swag of of, um, of podcasts as well. Oh yeah, you could find just about anything. Uh, yeah. Right. Any topic really? Yeah. Because look, you know, and I, I mean this totally genuinely as well, Phil. Um, just. You know, having listened to yourself and your radio voice, I, I would have thought that you had. I thought that you probably did radio, radio before. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, no. I mean, you know, it's it's just quite interesting how how podcasting, um, you know, you can get into it and stuff. That's uh, and and also as well, you mentioned Charlie doing the blogs. Um, truth be told, actually, I think that's how we stumbled onto you guys as well. There was an uh, a blog about Moon Knight. Um, oh yes, I yes I wrote a Moon Knight blog. Yeah, for, uh, oh, uh, tapes actually... and Lunatics blog. Yes. Yeah, and that um, obviously Connor and I we troll the interwebs for, for anything Moon Knight and we came across that and it was a really good really good article um, so yeah that's when I think we around the time we got in touch with you and then, then things kind of snowball from there and, and um, look we've got the collective now so that's pretty cool oh yeah <laughs> um, and also look oh man I am on fire with segues at the moment speaking of Moon Knight <laughs> Phil and writing that Moon Knight article um, I do know that you are a, a big Moon Knight fan as well um, take mm. us and the listeners back as well. How did you how did you get into Moon Knight as well? I mean, like that wasn't as long. Like I had read Moon Knight in other places, like West Coast Avengers, and like I know you you guys have been talking a lot lately about the Round Robin mm, uh, yeah. crossover and Amazing Spider Man. But I really didn't get into Moon Knight's book until the Charlie Houston run. Oh right, okay. Well, but, but, yeah. but but once I found it, I was like, I was on fire. I'm like, how have I not been reading this character? So I went back. I got most of the Mark Spector uh, issues. Mm-hmm. I think I'm missing two, maybe. I even went back further. I got awesome. uh, the first volume of the Essential Moon Knight. You know where they do yeah. the black and white reprints. Yeah, I love those. They're good. They're so light mm-hmm. as well. Like the size oh, of yeah. them. Yeah, this, the paper stock makes it just so light. That's where I read those. That's where I read those Hulk magazines the first time. Ah, lovely. And what do you think? Like having introduced, being introduced through Charlie, the Charlie Houston run in two thousand and six. How how have you found the older runs, like the nineties Mark Spector? I mean, you are a kid of the nineties, like myself. So I'm sure there's a you have a, an affinity with the nineties. Anyway, you can you can kind of understand where where the nineties stories are coming from. Um, but how did you find the older runs as well? It, did that surprise you how different Moon Knight was, like throughout the ages? Um, yeah, well, some of those earlier runs, especially like those the first year or so of Mark Spector, you could tell. I know you didn't. See, I know both. Uh, you guys have been talking about how what whether there some kind of editorial uh, thing that they were that Mark Spector wasn't supposed to have the multiple personalities yep. back then. Yeah. And yep. like, you could tell, like they were trying to go for a Marvel Batman feel. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause, yeah. Cause, cause, cause even like earlier before that Monch had like worked on Batman. So it's like, mm. okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, yeah. Two things. Um, as we'd mentioned, Mark Spector in the nineties. Yeah. That was, a, it was an editorial decision. Uh, confirmed by Chuck Dixon, who who wrote the first few issues of uh, of Mark Spector Moon Knight, he confirmed that yeah, it's uh, they were told to just forget the identities and and um, and just concentrate on the Batman esque. I guess that was around the time of there was a lot of success. Obviously, Batman's always popular, but the success of uh, maybe the Tim Burton films and, and all that maybe it's mm. a, a little bit riding the coattails, so to speak. Um, but yeah, Munch did definitely kind of. Um, have a, a dabble in that as well. Look, he, he wrote tons of Batman himself, um, and and interestingly enough as well, you have Ralph Macchio, the editor, um, and I always find this interesting how like you know, the identities of, of Moon Knight kind of evolved throughout the ages. Like at the beginning, he actually was just like a like a normal guy, 
but it's, mm-hmm. he, he, if it was like if anything he was just like a, a really good actor because he consciously put on these these personas you know to obviously tease out information wherever he could so um, that's how Ralph Macchio uh, he said there's a, a really good interview I'm going to give a name drop here of um, Epic Marvel Podcast it's hosted by Curtis Finlay uh, and they cover all the Epic collections um, being released by Marvel at the moment and uh and anyway, he interviews Ralph Macchio, um, and uh, they have a really good conversation. So well, I might drop that one in the show notes as well. Check it out, loonies. Uh, but it's interesting to see how Moon Knight evolved from the old days into where he is now. But yeah, Charlie Houston, fantastic run first there. And I, I guess that you've followed all the, tra- all the volumes ever since then? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ever since that first issue of the Houston run, yes, I've picked up every single month it's been out. Yeah. Look, I'm going to I'm gonna shake the tree a little here. What did you What did you think of Bendis' run? Uh, Bendis, usually, I have a theory that usually Bendis' street-level stuff is good, like mm-hmm. his Jessica Jones, his Miles Morales. Daredevil. Um, Daredevil. Oh, mm. Daredevil was great. But... And usually when the power level goes up, like X-Men or Avengers, it kind of gets shaky sometimes. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a novelty, you know, the, when the personalities became Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America. But yeah. it just seemed like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely seemed like a novelty to me as well. It was a nice little gimmick. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to go reread them again. A lot of people really hate it, or a lot of people say, "Look, it's it's my favorite run." Uh, yeah, I'll have to reread it again. Um, they released recently a hardcover of the complete uh, collection of them, I believe. Um, I have the the two the recently the, before that they released two hardcovers of I think the first six and then the the last six issues. Um, so yeah, I have to reread it again. Malib is a great artist as well. I mean, I do love and I love oh, yeah. it. Echo is, I mean, being a Daredevil fan, um, I'm not sure if you, I, I'd love Echo. I think she's a great character. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, she's back from the dead as well, apparently. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we, I think, you know, I think, Phil, all this talk about comic books has kind of got me hankering to, to get cracking into your Isla Ra books. Um, so, Loonies, as usual, we have a special guest, Phil. Uh, he has chosen, it's a, a huge task, I guess, he has had to choose from all the comics he's ever read in the whole wide world, uh, has to distill that into four single-issue comic books. So if he was stranded on a desert island, a.k.a. AKA the Isle of Ra, what would the four books be? So we'll first go through... Uh, quickly, uh, I guess what I call, you know, the honourable mentions is um, third and fourth chosen books. Uh, and then we'll go into detail to his top two, which um, should be a cracker. Um, as always as well, loonies, if you don't want to be spoiled, we have encrypted links in the episode summary. So if you don't want to know what Phil's books are, um, don't touch them. Uh, if you want to pre-read them in, in preparation for listening to the Isla Ra episode, this Isla Ra episode, uh, just hit the links and they should take you to the books that Phil has chosen. All right, Phil, are you ready, my good sir? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, look, I don't know. I, I have a rough idea of the rank, um, but for your first honourable mention, which one would you like to go for? 
I will. Why don't we start with the uh, Flash number seventy nine from August nineteen ninety three? Ah, yes, a very good one. Um, uh, let me just pull this one up. Uh, excellent. Yes, the Flash. Uh, very cool. Very cool cover. I know. I, I do love the Flash. I don't know much about about him. <laughs> uh, I just like the idea of him. Uh, I used to watch the nineties um, TV show. Did you do that as well? Oh yeah, that's that's kind of what got me in. Into oh the really? Flash to yeah. Begin with. Yes, yes. John John Wesley Ship. He was pretty cool. I uh, he was a quite a bulky Flash, but he um, he pulled it off. I remember, and I remember actually having a bit of a crush on what's her name, Amanda. Amanda, I can't remember her name. The Doctor, the Good Doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Amanda Pays, yeah. Amanda Pays, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice English accent there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil, would you please do the honors and just give us the credits for for this issue? All right. Uh, Let me have a. Oh, oh, there we go. Uh, so I know it's sorry. It is. Oh, here we go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the stories by Mark Wade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Laroque is pencils. Roy Richardson inks. Tim Harkins letterer. Gina Going colorist. Brian Augustin, editor, and Ruben, Ruben Diaz, assistant editor. Excellent. Yeah, this is um, yeah, Mark Wade, a big name uh, for those who collect comics nowadays and who have been collecting comics for a while. He's uh, a big name. Uh, apparently, he's done he's done wonders for The Flash, um, from what I've heard. Like, uh, oh yes, yeah. He he's, he's like he's like the name that pops up whenever I think of The Flash. Ah. And I had an opportunity to speak to him on my podcast. Super nice guy. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, actually, I listened. To, yeah, I listened to that. Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice guy. Really knowledgeable in comics. And mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's a big. He's been a big influence on Flash. Have you watched the TV show? No, I was going to ask you as well if you watched it. I I got up to. Yes. Yeah, you do. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yes. Are you are you up to date? Oh yes. Oh yes. okay. Cool. I um. Yeah, I got up to, I think, towards the end of Season 1, or maybe the beginning of Season 2. Um, yeah, oh, it's it's good. I mean, I might return to it. I think that's... Good. Actually, can I can I just segue a little here, Phil? Uh, you sure. mentioned You mentioned before as well Green Arrow, which is... I know one of our other loonies, Josh Geronimo Johnson, who's been on this show as well. He loves the Arrow show. Um, it seems to be getting a lot of... Um, do you collect the Arrow books as well? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. Um, I might have to get onto that Arrow TV show. I've heard really, really good things about it. I've never, um, and and I just want to kind of go back a little. I know last episode I, I may have said, you know, that Netflix is better than than CW shows, and and that is coming from someone, i.e., me, that has very little exposure to CW. So I have no grounds to say that. So I do apologise um, for anyone out there. Um, I'm, you know, the shows are great. Uh, I'm sure, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just I, have to. I, I, I like both. The, I like the Netflix shows and those CW shows, but the mm-hmm. CW shows kind of ha- are at a disadvantage because you know the net all the Marvel Netflix stuff is like yeah not rated. You know they can yeah. go they can basically do what they want. The CW shows are on network TV, so they're kind of hindered in that, in that yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. You can't you can't have a, a guy crush a guy's head in a car door. <laughs> you know. No, <laughs> that was the first um eye-opener for me for Netflix, I must say, but, um, yeah, no, okay, no, the Flash is, um, is good, I'm, I'm gonna have to get back into Flash, I do love it, but let's, um, let's get into this one, hey, so, what we have here, Phil, and I might have to obviously lean heavily on you for this, uh, 
not knowing much. We have the reverse flash. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, good. Yeah, no. Just in, in in a nutshell, kind of what kind of goes through in this issue, just for the listeners. Um. Well, this one, just like all my other picks, are basically like a wrap up of like uh, their arcs. Mm-hmm. So basically, this one is Wally West, who's the Flash at the time. Uh, Barry Allen was quote unquote dead, mm-hmm. um, and he's finally face to face with the Reverse Flash because what was it like six months before this? Barry Allen had seen the return from the dead and you know, alive with like memory loss and stuff, and mm-hmm. but then he started going crazy, and you know this was like, I mean Barry worshipped. Um, Wally worshipped Barry Allen more than he like worshipped his own father and stuff mm-hmm. and it basically crushed him until he found this clue that Barry Allen wasn't Barry Allen and it turned out to be the time travelling Eobard on the reverse flash yeah is, is this the reverse flash the same one from the TV show as well uh yes okay. yes ok cool no I, I love it I um I, I think this was a, a really cool um really cool issue uh i love any you know i love anything of that that classic thing where the the hero goes up against their absolute counter opposite um and you get none better than the reverse flash here um i wish he had a better name though so his name is reverse flash yeah it well when they created him it was like probably what the 50s it was either 50s or early 60s mm-hmm. and like yeah they called him like professor zoom the reverse flash but Oh, yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. P, uh, pop culture these days, it's like Reverse Flash wasn't. He, shouldn't he be slow then? But yeah, no, it's basically just <laughs> yeah. he, the Flash is good. I am evil. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I love it. It's very obviously. It's literally the opposite. So he's yellow with the red trims, as opposed to the Flash. I do like the um, this modern Flash's outfit. Um, the, it's a distinct difference. It's almost. Um, kind of glossy because there's a lot of uh it's very shiny there's a lot of black to it um yeah yeah at this point in uh, wally west run he he i think was it star labs made him this suit because he just wore like the regular suit that barry allen had worn before and it was always getting like torn and messed ah. up and this this was like supposed to be more durable and stuff yeah okay yeah awesome and and the other big um point from here that i pulled out and again i've only heard of it is the is it the cosmic treadmill? I think that's hilarious. Is that? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's like another fifties thing that like when Barry Allen first started traveling through time and stuff, he needed this treadmill. I guess I don't know if to like direct or focus his speed so he could time travel. <laughs> yeah, the, these days speedsters really don't can tra- time travel under their own. Yeah. Power, yeah. Well, I just I just I don't know. It's just a, a clunky kind of piece of equipment. It's like having a. A cosmic microwave or something, you, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a it's a big giant plot device. Yes. Yeah, but no, it's uh, this was really good. I thought the art was was fantastic. Um, I'm sorry, he Bill, I can't speak too much of it because I'm not that clued in on the Flash. Uh, what what are the main points that you like from this? What what made this comic really important for you? Um, it was a big thing. I think that like previous issues of this series up to this point in even like writers before mark wade mm-hmm. would have wally acting like a lot of times early on like a like a jerk or like and like his powers would come and go you know mm-hmm. when when wally first got his own flash series like after crisis on infinite earths he couldn't run basically the speed of sound was like his top speed mm-hmm 
So he was uh, topping out at like seven or eight hundred miles an hour, but so his powers would wax and wane, and yeah. he would be this jerk. And it kind of comes to a head in this issue where it's like I, I realize now it's, it was all like a mental thing, and you know I was I was I was I missed Barry, and I was afraid of replacing him. But like he even says here, you know, I'm more afraid of like Reverse Flash selling his legacy and stuff than yeah, yeah, right, right. It's um. Because yeah, power sets are really, really different now these days as well, isn't? I'm just trying to look through here. Uh, doesn't reverse flash or does the flash um, vibrate their molecules as well? Which is a uh, it becomes almost intang- intangible. Here we go. There he is. He he gets um, stuck in the Green Lantern's um, solid matter, and he says nothing holds a man who can vibrate through solid matter. I know Quicksilver does something similar in the Marvel universe. Um, but yeah, you have these very sophisticated powers now, which I think is re- really good. So the speed of sound is nothing these days, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, no. I mean, all the flashes are like can move at like light speed now. It's and yeah, and that's a, that's always probably been a trick of the flashes where they can like vibrate through like walls or solid matter. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think I actually saw that. I saw a bit of that in the show as well. They they do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty cool trick, because he's pretty much like, kind of like Vision, isn't he now? Well, you know, just being intangible. He's kind of like Kitty Pride. <laughs> I don't know. Just... Yeah, kind of, yeah, kinda, yeah, but I think yeah, they try to give them like time travel and like yeah. phasing through objects just so, just so it's not like, oh, it's a guy who runs really yeah. fast. I know, isn't, isn't the Flash now kind of like one of the most powerful beings in the DC universe, doing all this time travel? I don't know too much about Flashpoint and all that. Isn't there, wasn't there a huge thing about, about time travel? Um, yeah, well, yeah, well, the whole Flashpoint thing was uh, Barry Allen going back in time and trying to save his mother from being killed. It was a whole, again, with the reverse Flash who went back and killed right. Barry's mother and tried to, I don't know, just keep this war going and stuff. Because, like, in the 80s, like, before Barry Allen died, like, both his parents were alive and you know, well and happy. And then... Yeah. Uh, 2009 jeff johns wrote this yeah he wrote uh flash rebirth and uh yeah they showed how uh, reverse flash went back in time and killed barry's mother and framed his father for it and all this and they even what they even did that on the tv show also okay and so if you were to if you were to recommend uh, a flash series let's say you're saying jeff johns or you got your mark wades what would be a good um stepping stepping stone to to get introduced into the flash like which arc? Uh, you know what the arc we're actually talking about uh, tonight would probably be good. Flash okay. seventy three, Flash seventy three through seventy nine from uh, nineteen ninety three, because it basically, even though this turned out not to be the real Barry Allen, they get into the legacy of Barry Allen mm-hmm. and his relationship with Wally West. And okay, oh, interesting. You know, I, I'm not asking that at all for my own benefit. <laughs> 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 Uh, it's all for the show, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. But even like, like, even like later stuff. Like I was saying that Jeff Johns uh, wrote Flash Rebirth in I think two thousand nine. Okay, okay, cool. I mean, there you'll see it as well, Loonies as well on Comicsology. If you do collect the digital digital comics, um, from time to time there are great sales on, and uh, sometimes they have it on on DC or on the Flash itself. Um, so really worth checking out if you um, if you are interested in the Flash now, having um, having been introduced it by sorts uh, on on this episode. Uh, do you collect digital comics, 
uh, Phil? Or um, every once in a while, like if I can't get something, or mm-hmm. sometimes they do the digital first stuff. But um, yeah. no, most ninety nine percent, I still like the, my uh, physical copies. Oh man, you again? You are a model comic fan. That's awesome. Um, I, yeah, I, I do get some digital, but I do get a bit of everything. I got, I've got a whole standing order of floppies. And uh, I do get the trade. Do you get trades? I, I get. Tra- I love trades. Um, yeah, well, sometimes of like um, older stuff or stuff I didn't get a chance. Yeah, I try to get the monthlies, but yeah, like if there's stuff I can't find or I'm just like, yeah, some. If I'm not, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'll just wait for the trade on that. But yeah, uh, okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, all right. Well, yeah. So that was Flash. Um, the artwork I think is great. I really did like the art. Um, Uh, And it's it's good to have as well. Again, I'm talking just purely from a a non-DC comic um, follower. Uh, It's good to see the likes of someone else like the Green Lantern step in. Um, To me, like, you know, Green Lantern and the Flash were great. They're really, to me, more interesting characters um, because I guess they were kind of the second tier down from the big three, right? Um, And Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, Green Lantern was really cosmic and... The Flash. I can't believe there aren't any more speedsters. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of speedsters now, but I can't believe after all this time, it distills just to the Flash and Quicksilver. I mean, as the two big speedy. I mean, it's such a cool, a cool power to have, you know. Um, I, oh yeah. Yeah, I can't believe that people don't write more characters on it. But anyway, so that was, um, yeah, that was a Flash. That was one of the honourable mentions. Very cool. Uh, very good. A big issue as well. That that. Uh, I think all your issues uh, were <laughs> were big ones, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I kind of cheated. Yeah, they were all uh, <laughs> oversized, and like these last three all end in zero, so they're like anniversary issues. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know. Well, that's a technical loophole. I can't fault you there. So, uh, yep. So that was Flash seventy nine. So check that one out if you can, Loonies. Again, the details are in that encrypted link. Uh, okay, now your third one, which I know. Um, you've chosen is as you as you mentioned a milestone issue a big milestone issue uh and it is 600 of detective comics so this was uh released may 1989 uh and it's the conclusion to blind justice which was a a a three-parter um and was written by sam ham uh, Dennis Cohen was a penciler, Dick Giordano with Frank McLaughlin on, as inkers, Todd Klein, letterer, uh, Adrian Roy, colorist, Daniel Raspler, uh, assistant editor with Dennis O'Neill as the editor, and of course, credit to Bob Kane. And nowadays, isn't it Bill Fingers for creating Batman? Yes. Mm. So this one, Phil, look, um, for me... I found myself a little bit more lost in this one than The Flash, so to speak. Um, this, was a, this was a good one in the fact I did love the idea of the mind controlling... Was it the mind... Uh, the, it's kind of like remote control. Um, um, yes. Remote control people. Uh, I think that was really cool. Um, but yeah, take us through. Uh, what, what's the gist of this? Um, maybe if you can explain the whole arc, uh, if that makes more sense sure like you were saying this was a three issue arc uh in detective comics uh it was written by sam ham because he was he worked on the uh 
he was like a screenwriter on that on those Burton Batman movies. Okay. So that was like a big deal for them to get him at this point. So yeah, he wrote this three three issue self contained uh, anniversary story for Detective Comics where I, there's like this there's this corruption in Wayne Enterprises where they um, this group is like basically engineer. I don't want to say they're, they're not making killers, but they, like you said, they're able to, you're able to, people are able to transfer their minds into mm. like, uh, the bodies of kid, you know, these like, yes, yeah. st- almost look like steroid outed killers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's really interesting because, you know, of course, Bruce Wayne and Batman investigate and the, these corrupt guys are like, wait, uh, we don't need Wayne in here. They don't know Bruce Wayne's Batman. So. First, they try to get the government to go after Bruce Wayne by saying, you know, what were you, you know, what was this guy doing overseas all those years? You know, he was training Mm. to be Batman, but they're like, look, he was hanging out with some pretty shifty people overseas. I think he's a terrorist or something. Yeah. So, and then when that didn't work, then they, uh, there was like an assassination attempt on Bruce Wayne that where they kind of pick up here with him in the hospital where he's like, they're saying, Oh, he's paralyzed. He might not be able to walk again. This is even before Bane. So yeah, I was about to say like, he's been in a wheelchair a few times. hasn't he? Yeah. So, Oh yeah. But, uh, so yeah. And, uh, we also get, um, what is, uh, I'm trying to blank on the guy's name. Uh, the, the guy, one of the guys who taught Bruce Wayne, uh, He's a pretty. Uh, he, he basically taught him how to hunt people down and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah. So Bruce Wayne's in a wheelchair, and like I, th- I thought this is this like distilled the essence of Bruce Wayne because it's like you know we've seen him without his, some of his tools before, maybe like temporarily without his money. But here he's like he uses their technique against them, and like. He found an ally, one of the one of the guys who used to work for Bruce Wayne, who these uh, cr- these uh, this corrupt organization had used, yeah. and he's working with them. And uh, this young this young guy Roy says, "Well, you need you know." He's like, "I can help you." And Bruce Wayne's like, "You don't know the first thing about being a detective. You don't yeah. know how to fight." He's like, "Why well, would if I had the right pilot?" So basically, Bruce Wayne uses this guy, yeah, yes, you know, to get out there as Batman. And I, I there's like funny scenes in here, like. Remember the first night he goes out, he's like, "Boy, this guy thinks he's in shape." He's like, "I can barely take <laughs> yeah. down the first two guys. You know, I can barely take down the street punks in this guy's body." Yeah, no, very well written because uh, they're sorts of things that you don't think about, but you know, mm-hmm. realities, uh, so to speak. If you do take over someone's body, oh yeah, I. He's like, well, oh, because I one did the guy say, oh yeah, I was like a track star in high school. He's like, oh, this guy thinks he's in shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, just because um, I'm flicking through here as well, and because uh, there's so much actually happening in this bumper issue, uh, and so a, a lot of it, I guess, you really do have to know the lead up to it. Like, what really um, got me or kind of scared me was this this little unassuming um, short man with a top hat. And he um, he can basically tell people he's kind of like Kilgrave, the Purple Man. He can kind of tell people what what to do. 
oh yeah that i believe that was the that was the scientist who invented this whole thing and so mm. of course you know the, the organization's like oh well we need in loose ends you know yeah, yeah. and so so but yeah just, he basically he yeah. basically uses the the device instead of like well he does transfer bodies here but yeah like yeah he's able to like tell people what to do like like they showed you know he made the one guy unable to lie he made yeah. another guy he's like you're paralyzed you can't even move and so mean he says you're limp as a noodle and you'll stay that way for the rest of your life poor fella i mean like does this guy go on to become a regular villain for batman or uh no like i said pretty much um, the the characters in this arc we never really see them again oh okay because like i said sam ham wrote like this three issue self-contained story oh you mean so literally really self-contained like nothing oh yeah oh okay okay i thought you meant as in just like you know, it, it just refer, references that references itself, and it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. No, you, you really don't see any of these villains or anything uh, again. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, quite involved. It, it's got um, chapters within this this issue as well. So that that kind of breaks it up, which is good. Um, but yeah, we're we're looking at uh, quite a big issue here. So the guy, uh, Batman's basically remote controlling this other dude. Um, and I'm just flicking through how it resolves towards the end. Um, is it that guy, the guy with the the chopper mustache? Is he the um? Is he the uh? What was he? Was he the mentor of Batman before? No. Oh um. Oh, are you talking about Ducard? Oh yeah, that's a guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, he was one of the guys who trained Batman. Yeah. He's one of the shady types that he trained with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sorry again. So my my knowledge of Batman is is very limited, as you can tell. Um, yeah. So so yeah. No, this was this was a this was a good one. And and why did you? Um, what made this issue special for you? Is is it because of Sam Ham or? Um. Well, yeah. There there was a big thing that. Um, yeah, he was a screenwriter on that first Tim Burton Batman, and that movie had a big, uh, big impact on me when I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. and it was in '89. It came out, so I was like 11 years old. I remember going to the movies and seeing that, and I was just like, "Yeah." Because before that, we—I mean, you had Batman in cartoons and on the Adam West TV Adam show, West, but yeah. like this was like—I mean, some of those Tim Burton movies might seem even a little goofy today, but like back then, it was like no. this is the closest. This is like one of the first movies where it's like this is like so close to the comics. Yeah, it absolutely revelled. I mean, for someone that uh, I, one of my best friends when I was young as well, he was a huge Batman fan, and uh, you know, so I kind of fed off that. I didn't really follow Batman, but yeah, that that revolutionized everything, didn't it? Because we only had the Adam West reruns, and uh, mm-hmm. the animated series I remember was really good. Um, I think they're re-releasing that soon again. The whole entire collection on Blu-ray or something. I remember. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. They're doing a Blu-ray collection, and then uh, that DC Universe app just came yeah. out. I believe that's on there, or it's coming on. Oh. Going to be on there. I mean, that still is one of the best animated series I've. I, I think I can say yes. I've, I've watched. Um, but yeah, but I remember Tim Burton when that dropped as well because you had the whole black suit. It was dark. There was it was twisted. It was really, really good. Um, did you did you watch? Because um, I watched a few times. Because starved of no superhero films, the Adam West Batman had a had a movie. Did you watch that one? Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, one. that is so funny. Yeah, I remember watching that on repeat so, so many times. It's a lot of some fun. days. Some some days you can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's uh, just so campy, hilarious, um, but it's all all in good fun. Um, 
Yeah, so this was, uh, yep, so Batman 600, a big issue. Jeez, it's coming up to 1,000 as well, isn't it? Like, Action Comics just hit 1,000. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Detective's coming soon, because this we, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty close, uh, within the year or so, yeah. Have they have they announced um, what what spectacle they're going to have for the big 1,000? Like, is it Artists Arise, uh, they- or...? They no, they have. Well, I think they might. I forget. They, I think they did say what teams are going to lead it into a thousand. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's going to be. You know, it's going to be huge because. Yeah. I mean, they put out like a big uh, hardcover book for like when Action Comics hit one thousand, and yeah. I bet you they go even bigger with Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, Batman, Superman, huge, huge properties at DC. Uh, I got the the Action one thousand one. I might have to pick up this Detective Comics just just you know because it's such a big thing and um you know we are a moon knight podcast uh you know podcast but uh <laughs> moon knight character podcast but uh yeah there, there are there are great things um to talk about and discuss with batman as well uh okay well those are the three oh hang on i'm just getting a, a call on the mobile one second excuse me phil okay hello yes hello okay man yes Yes, he's here. Okay, okay. All right, okay. See ya. Uh, hi, Phil. Um, yeah, I've just got a mobile phone call from, from Conchu, all, of all people. I didn't know he had a, a phone plan. But anyway, he, uh, he's called me on the phone. Uh, he would like to meet us in his, um, his worship temple room just down the corridor. Uh, are, you, are you right to go? How's your whiskey going? Oh yeah, let me throw this back. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Uh, we'll take a quick short break and we'll be right back. All right, well, let me ask you this then. If there was one comic character you'd want to spread the good word on, who would it be? Hmm. Look, that would have to be Superman. He is your bastion of good behavior. Yeah, I reckon Soup. I mean, I was going to say Moon Knight. Moon Knight, he's alright. Moon Knight, he was the fight. A Moon Knight. Uh, I thought. I mean, I think he's a really good role model, but whatever. Superman, Superman makes sense, I guess. Yeah, probably Superman. Then fine, I'll agree. Hi, I'm Connor, a fan of truth, justice, and the Australian way. And I'm Ray, Lex Luthor sympathizer and Brainiac groupie. And we're your hosts for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast where two Australians, one superfan and one newbie to Superman, cover everything, anything Superman. And it's going to be awesome. We're even going to dress up as Superman. Um, I'll probably be more like Bizarro, but sure. So coming soon, make sure you guys keep an ear out. Look forward to catching you then. Yes, Phil. Uh, yep, we are just down the corridor here, just walking down um, through the door. Yep, and uh, as you can tell, big. Uh, how do you like Conchu's little uh, trophy room here? Big and dark, and it's um, smelly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's Conchu's statue there. Okay. All right. I think um, 
We're just going to wait, oh, wait here for the K-Man to arrive. Um, right, so Phil, we have your last two coming up. They are bumper. I can't wait to get into these. So um, I think, why don't we, um, we might ask Conchu to, to whisk us away somewhere to discuss these last two. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, where should we go? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Um, sky is the limit. Um, oh, have a little think. Hang on. Have a little think while, uh, while Conchu comes around here. Hello, Conchu. Hi, Phil. Um, bow your head, bow your head. This is Conchu. Hello, Conchu. How are you? Who bestows the great Conchu? Yes, uh... Yes, we uh, we we heeded your call. Um, Phil is here. I actually interrupted his podcast episode just to bring him in. We we had a nice little chat though in the um, in the living room there. But uh, you wanted to speak to to Phil for any particular reason? Hello, Phil. Phil the Inherit. How are you? I am good, Almighty Conchu. You know why I brought you here today? I believe so. <laughs> you had a lot to answer for. A couple of days ago, you, me, and Dion, we went out for a couple of drinks. And I believe you owe me a dollar for tonight. Oh, and I see. I and you knew your co- and the cosmic awareness told you I would give you that. Here you go. Thank you very much. I believe it was that caramel slice that you ordered, but that's fine. As long as you pay me back, I am happy. And Conchu is almighty. Yes, thank you, Conchu. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that Phil can repay his dues. A dollar forty-nine seemed a little stingy to me, but look, hey, I'm just your I'm just your high priest here. Who am I to say anything, eh? <laughs> um, anyway, while we have you, Conchu, and since Phil has paid you back, I believe um, I believe you owe us a favour now. <laughs> um, would you be able to whisk us off anywhere where we can just discuss these last two issues of Phil's? Of course, Ray, I can. Let it be so. Hold on, Phil, here we go. Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the Collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. <laughs> Listeners, we are here. Um, where does it look like we are, Phil, by any chance? Do you know? Uh, <laughs> could this be Avengers Mansion? Oh, yes, it does. It actually, it looks it looks cleaner. The air smells fresher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw Jarvis. I think you're right. How refreshing to meet someone who appreciates the fine Yeah, this is a, this is a pretty pretty funky funky do. Um, well, well done, Phil, for picking a, a good pad. Um, thank you, K-Man, wherever you are, for for taking us here. Um, let's uh, oh, let's go, let's go sit on the terrace there. Ah, okay, cool, cool. 
Uh, I can see the, the Quinjet out on the uh, the tarmac there. I can see other complexes nearby. Yeah. <laughs> so, Phil, we are on to your last two books here. Um, the sun is shining brightly. It's just everything seems fresher and every, everything seems better here, Phil. I don't know. I don't know why I'm hanging around Grant Mansion. But anyway, um, <laughs> we're here for your final two. And uh, look, I'll, I'll put it to you, Phil. Which one would you say is coming in at number two for your top four list? Uh, well, why don't we do uh, Daredevil 300? Woohoo! Daredevil 300. Yes, Lonies. As uh, as mentioned and as professionally concealed uh, before, as I as I did, I, um, Phil is a big Daredevil fan, and um, yeah, three hundred last rights parts, the last part four of four. Now this is a bumper issue, Phil, and uh, I I hope you don't mind. We'd love to go through this, um, and oh, actually, before we do that, let's um, let's just go through the credits. Um, have you okay. got the credits there for you for for everyone there, Phil? Yes. Uh, writer D.G. Chichester, penciler Lee Weeks, inker Al Williamson, letterer Joe Rosen, colorist Max Sheely, editor Ralph Macchio, editor in chief Tom DeFelco, and special thanks to Mark Grunewald and mm. Bill Battle. Excellent, Ooh. excellent stuff. Now I remember Phil uh, around this time. So this was released nineteen ninety two. In January, um, yep. I love this this run of Dead all around this time. I'm not sure about you. I mean, obviously you picked 300, but um, DG Chichester, Lee Weeks, Al Williamson, those three, they did a, an epic run of Daredevil. Um, I, I just loved it, and this this was a culmination, I guess. Um, it had, I guess we can say, it had it coming. Um, it, he really built up this this kingpin um, this thing, but this is this was a fantastic story. Now, have you got your issue ready here, Phil? Yes. All right. Now, um, now this is a big big issue. Oh, it's okay. So let's just go through what we um, the story here. So basically, uh, look, we'll just run through page by page, but just very very quickly, okay? Because I, I know that um, there's a lot of stuff here to cover. Uh, so basically, J. Jonah Jameson, he's in his office, and he's talking to Daredevil, who's in the shadows. Um, they're just discussing, um, I guess they're discussing the Kingpin, um, uh, and how he is a danger, basically. Um, well, how, how dangerous he can be. Oh, yeah. yeah um, basically, the Kingpin's been getting bigger and bolder, and mm-hmm. he's starting to branch out more and more. He's even caught the attention of Hydra. Yes, that's a big thing. Yeah. And so basically Daredevil's like, you know, like, you know, start putting this stuff in the paper, Jameson. And Jameson's like, okay. He's like, you're going to put Wilson Fisk on the front page. He's like, no, 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 no. Put the name everyone knows and buy on that front page. So yeah. It's Kingpin. Absolutely. And um, and then we see up in Fisk Towers, we see, and again, as you mentioned, there was a, an altercation with Hydra. We see Fisk's office uh, under a bit of repairs because it had been um, uh, had been damaged uh, from the gunship, and so he's there with uh, it's not um, it's not Wesley, but it's another dude who uh, is looking at his accounts. Uh, basically, things are going south. The kingpin, he's not uh, a Maltese, is the guy. Sorry, he's not um, he's not happy with how things are panning out. 
Yeah, because I mean, basically, Hydra Hydra wanted to go into business with uh, Kingpin, and he was just like, "Oh, I don't need your little uh, organization." So mm. between Hydra and Daredevil, which just like two issues back, Nick Fury was like actually giving uh, Daredevil some help and stuff. So yeah, yeah, Kingpin's fighting a war on a bunch of fronts. Yeah, and it has to be reminded, I guess. Yeah, this is the the final part of what has been growing steadily um in in the arc uh, but you still get a sense of it here that this impending I, I guess breaking point for the kingpin happens and and anyway so he reflects on um on actually having to really really get into things in order to in order to get things to work so to speak so there's a little quick flash of we see uh, you can assume it's kingpin washing his hands his bloodied hands in a puddle of water um and he's he basically caps off saying that, you know, um, having blood on your hands is a mark of success. So that alludes to something a bit later on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, they get inter- then uh, him and Maltese get interrupted. Uh, yeah. Basic, basically, uh, this big group comes in and uh, with a search warrant. And basically, uh, Maltese... Uh, is basically saying, uh, wait a second, we have the proper arrangements with the city and state. And uh, yeah. this woman, Ka, Catherine Mulper, is like, oh, that's your problem. I'm not, I'm not uh, state or, you know, yeah. city. I'm federal, so. She's quite a colorful character. Like, she's, she's, she's got a bit of um, character to her. She seems to be a big baseball fan. Um, mm-hmm. And she's the DA um, to the Manhattan District, it seems. Uh, so anyway, so we, we cut to they actually have uh, the kingpin in court, uh, and she's kind of kind of grilling him, um, so to speak. Um, people at this stage as well are, are picking up the uh, the Daily Bugle's uh, articles on the kingpin, and and um, yeah, things are setting in motion. Um, basically, an attack on all fronts um, at the kingpin. Yeah, th- I mean this this whole thing is like a. I mean it's been years coming ever since that yeah. pr- Frank Miller's born again. Yeah. Mm. When da- when Kingpin messed with their da- well, with Matt Murdock's life, so now it's kind of the reverse is happening. Yeah, and I loved it how it was such a build up to it, and because it just gave it so much more gravitas, you know, when when it does happen, because he's mm-hmm. such a, an ominous figure, but you actually. Um, empathize with the man as well it's not he's not just your your one trick villain uh you know you get to see things from his side it's really good oh yeah and especially that flashback we get the flashback of Mm -hmm. the bloodied hands yeah yeah the bloodied hands and he actually does even more than that as well doesn't he he um as a little kid he he strikes the um this gasoline which a guy has and he kind of immolates the guy (laughs) and that ends up, yeah, it's terrible because it ends up. And my gosh, there's some things here. It says, let me read it. Um, so basically, the, the floor of the warehouse explodes and fire, and and the the fire police, the fire brigade come and they say um, they rain down from above. Then some thrown by the blast. Most of the workers so fearful of the flames they'd rather take their chances with a shattering leap to the street below. Red human jelly mixes with the sooty runoff. It's just really evocative stuff from from Chichester, uh, really grisly stuff, and you kind of are reminded this is the stuff that is on a young King Kingfist's shoulders. What he's just done, um, but yeah, 
Yeah, burned a building, killed people, all for $15. Yeah, but he's resolute about it as well. So the last thing he says, he did it for mum and dad and us. So he's justified it straight away. Uh, yeah. So it's a nice little look into his psyche, I guess. And and that kind of draws us back to, like, he's been reflecting on that and he mumbles $15. He's in the courtroom, you know, fully grown, and Mulper's cross-examining him. Um, and as he kind of leaves, <laughs> I love this little panel here. He looks so sinister, Matt Murdock. He's just over the shoulder of Kingpin, and he just says, recess, free time, enjoy it while, enjoy it while you still can, Willie. It's just a very <laughs> cheeky little thing from Matt Murdock, and uh, it's that kind of balance that Chichester does where you kind of look at, you know, going, geez, the Kingpin's getting kind of bullied here, um, although you are reminded that he's, he's the villain as well. Oh yeah, he's he's had it coming. He's ruined lives many, many, oh, yeah. many, many times. Absolutely. And so, base. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Then next, it's uh, Daredevil meeting with the DA on the roof, and she's like, "Well, I th- things seem to be going good, but I see some doubt in some of those jurors' eyes." And Daredevil's like, "Okay, do you, you need me to give him a little extra push?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's tossing, uh, tossing up a baseball. Uh, you know, very, um, very distinct, Malpa. Um, yeah. So also as well. Then so we cut straight back to uh, Kingpin talking with Maltese, his offsider, um, and we're brought back to this uh, this past event which happened, which will inform what later happens. And it's uh, basically the death of uh, what is it? It's um, a cousin. Uh, a cousin oh, the cab driver. The, dri- the yeah. cab driver. Yeah, they kind of they kind of showed this real quick in Born Again, where yeah, yeah the kingpin was had his men kind of try to kill Daredevil, put him in a cab, and make it look like he killed this cab driver, and they were both going to drown in the river. But yeah. Yeah, so they basically use um, a billy club of daredevils to to beat the man um, to death, and they shove him into the the, the cabin. Hopefully, that's it. Um, and yeah, and so anyway, this informs what happens next. What what Kingpin's next um, move is, which is basically he goes to the looks like a oh, it's a parcel check. I thought it was like a yeah, it's a parcel check where you keep all your where you can store stuff, um, and he's trying to get something from the guy behind the, the counter yeah which is it would seem kind of weird to me i thought kingpin would have this locked up somewhere where you know in his own building or something but yeah something that important you'd want somewhere else maybe he wanted it to you know um be somewhere very discreet who who knows but yeah yeah that is yeah no point. connection no no connection to him yeah mm. so yeah. yeah he's trying to get it out he's trying to get it out but all his accounts have been frozen so he's haggling with the guy when daredevil shows up yeah and at this stage he's quite irate anyway um and i think the um appearance of daredevil kind of really sets him off because he he gets the shits basically and he smashes through the um the barrier the the till barrier and he just says bloody give it give it here so he he rips the guy through the um barrier and he grabs the parcel which we all know is the bloodied billy club um, mm-hmm. And and he just goes at it, a daredevil, and this is the beginning of, basically, you see the un- unraveling of a man. 
oh, I love this. I love that page, that big splash page where he hits Daredevil and he says, oh. I've done nothing wrong. And then the next page is Daredevil wiping the blood off his chin saying, now nah, you have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got full credit. Daredevil can take a punch. I mean, he's got Kingpin who has a massive amount of strength. Uh, he just, I guess he just rolled with it with his, with his training, but, um, but Kingpin just takes, and we've got to remember as well, Kingpin is being as fast as he, as big as he can, he is, he's quite a fast dude, he's fast and he's, and he's strong, uh, so he just flies straight up those escalators, and it's basically a, a, a big give, uh, a big chase between Daredevil and Kingpin, um, it just shows the desperation of Kingpin, um, yeah, yeah. But I just love like this next page where they're like r- where they're racing through the Port Authority bus station where like uh, Chichester basically did this a lot with his issues where like he really got into the you know Matt Murdock senses you know yes. he descri- he colorfully describes here what the bus station smells like yeah yeah with urine and feces yeah yeah oh he's he's so brilliant at that as well like uh, it's one of it's some of those things that you just take for granted isn't it but like he does Chichester does. He does um, drop these little little things about Daredevil's senses, which make Daredevil so different from anyone else. And yeah, exactly right. He's saying like you know feces and excrement, and uh, he's got to handle all this because he's got hyper acute senses. Um, mm. But yeah, he's he's just giving chase. Um, he manages to track the king, kingpin, uh, you know, in the shadows somewhere. Um, and actually, what the kingpin's hiding in a bus. Um, yes, on the back of a bus. Yes, this is the kingpin of of crime, you know, of New York, and he is reduced to hiding in the shadows, in the bus. But obviously, he cannot hide from Daredevil, who literally can see anything uh, with his radar sense. Uh, but Kingpin just attacks him. Still, um, uh, well, Daredevil baits him as well. He does mention Vanessa, which yes. um, is a you know. It's pretty cheeky and pretty cruel, um, but yeah, the kingpin gets even madder still, and he whams Daredevil up against a windscreen. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's, uh it, it takes him for a ride, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Take moves the bus. The bus starts moving. And they're on the second floor of a parking garage because again, that, that the description Matt Murdock right before he goes flying out the front of the bus is like wait radar sense picking up just empty space behind me flying yeah absolutely great Uh, it really does the writing does really compliment the um uh, Lee Weeks is is fantastic I think he's doing Batman now isn't he uh yes yes yeah okay yeah because he's he's been around for a while but um yeah his his Daredevil was uh for me quite memorable oh yeah yeah. So anyway, I love this half-page splash of um, really kind of detail there. The bus crashing through um, the barrier, the the concrete edge, and Daredevil just flying through the windscreen there. Uh, but he manages to grab the the bumper at the front, and he's just hanging on for dear life. Uh, the kingpin, uh, he he's still friggin' seeing red, uh, and he he's grasping the edge of the bus, you know, with bloodied hands. You know, there's broken glass everywhere. Um, so he's just mad into hell. Um, yeah. So yeah, the kingpin takes off. Daredevil swings down with his billy club. Mm-hmm. Back in, back, why did the kingpin go back in the bus station? But I know, he <laughs> he's kind of doubling back. And, uh, and of course, yeah, the man without fear tackles him again through some more crashing glass, which is, um, oh, and they land on a pool table, it seems. 
Um, well, no, I think it's one of those things where it was, oh. it was like a big display where the balls were rolling through like these glass. Oh, whatever. Okay. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, they're on the floor, but there's all these pool. Again, this is cool where like oh, there's all these mm. pool balls on the floor. So Kingpin's like you know almost losing his footing. Daredevil with his radar sense is just jumping through them. Yeah, and I love this. It says while well, the Kingpin lurches among the debris, staggering. I dance, and you can just imagine yes. how, how graceful Daredevil is, just you know hitting those little points where there's no balls, and mm-hmm. uh, we we get a little slight cameo from um, none other than uh, Peter Parker and MJ, which is pretty cool when they were together. Um, I think they're together again now these days, but um, yeah, so that that's pretty cool. And Peter's just saying, look, I'm going to stay out of it. I reckon Daredevil can handle it himself, which I kind of thought, hang on, wouldn't you just want to really nip it in the bud, you know? If I was Spider-Man, I'd just get in there. Let's end this straight away. Um, but maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I and I'm, I compliment them on their restraint of not putting Spider-Man fully in this issue. But yeah. it's like at this point, they both knew their each other's identities. So I think maybe Peter Parker was like, "Oh, you know what? As much as King Kingpin's been a been a uh, pain in my ass, I mean, he's really screwed with Matt Murdock's life. Yeah. Let him have him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly." And man, it's just so cool, like the Kingpin's just running, running, running. Um, uh, yeah, so he, he runs through um, like a underpass and he goes through past some um, some homeless people. Daredevil's just, um, just, just giving chase, uh, basically. Um, and they end up basically face to face and they, they go at it again. Oh yeah, just fighting, just smacking each other back and forth until Daredevil gets a hold of that billy club. Yeah, and you can see the size difference as well. Really, really good by Lee Week showing the just the immense size of Kingpin. Um, you can see that one bit where he grabs, he tries to grab Daredevil's neck. Look at the size of his mm-hmm. hands there. But Daredevil kind of gets him on that point right near the wrist and that, that hurts him. Uh, double hit the back of the head. You know, he just he just really he manages to get the club, and he tosses it in the fire, because we know the fire will cleanse everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll be as easy as that. But you know, again, good stuff by um, the writer saying that even with that burning hot stuff, the kingpin's so desperate, plunges his hand in, um, and Daredevil can kind of sense the the blistering and, and the sizzling of flesh. As, as he goes and gets it, but by then it's too late. Uh, it becomes worthless. Now, I guess the um, the charred wood uh, in his hand. Well, yeah, you would think the fire, if nothing else, would like destroy the DNA evidence, you know, the yeah. blood, the fingerprints, yeah. Yeah, and then um, then we're left with uh, what what is kind of like the end of it. Um, there's a little bit of a, an epilogue at the end. Um, with just Kingpin, just uh, really cool. Just no background, pure white, Daredevil just standing mm. over him. He's, a, he's just a broken man. And, and Daredevil stuttering the words, I forgive you. Yeah, yeah, which is um, really, really good, I think, as well. Right. Um, well, yeah, I mean, this was like another point in time where they, were, they played up where Matt Murdock was like a uh, very, very religious uh, Catholic, I believe, man. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is good. I, I like that component of, of the character because you don't have that many superheroes or characters that do have that angle and, and are that mm-hmm. closely akin to religion. So, yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, 
And then at the end, we get oh, this 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 sod, Gerald James Sabini. He, he's a bit of an idiot, isn't he? Um, he, um, he tries to get King, Kingpin while he's down. Look, it doesn't take long for Kingpin to be out on bail. We get that little flash up on the, in the newspaper. The Kingpin is out. Um, but one of his, I guess, past rivals uh, approaches him. They have bailed him out, but basically Sabini's saying, well, I bailed you out. Now you owe us, so I'm going to demean you as much as I can. Um, but King, oh. yeah, sorry. Well, Sabini's an idiot because he I mean, <laughs> I think he he worked for the Kingpin, and the reason he's wearing an eye patch is because I think like three issues back, wasn't it? Type he had Kingpin had typhoid Mary take one of his eyes. You know, this guy <laughs> will, will mess you up. It's like, well, yeah, why don't you just help the Kingpin, and if he eventually yeah. gets back in power, you're going to be, you know, he won't forget you. Yeah, and, and he asked him to do something so silly, like, um, you know... Pick up his laundry. Pick up his laundry. Like, of course, yeah, as if the Kingpin's going to agree to that. And it leaves himself wide open. Um, anyway, he ends up with a crack on the head uh, from the Kingpin's cane. Not only that, he gets uh, intimately introduced to the cane, um, electrolyte. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the end of him. And I loved how this little tide, as you mentioned before, Phil... We have the Kingpin uttering Born Again, um, mm-hmm. which is a nice tie-up to the greater arc of Daredevil. And uh, actually, oh, yeah. not only that as well, um, And again, um, so they come in, uh, you know, the, the crooks come in and they give chase, and Kingpin as well is not beneath him. He is hiding in the garbage, um, just, you know, doing whatever he can. To survive, he's a survivor, you know. So oh, yeah. uh, he does that, and then we get again a nice cyclical thing of him plunging his bloodied hands in uh, the gutter with the with the puddles of water, uh, and him uttering a little blood on his hands uh, is a mark of success. So uh, a, a nice bit of writing there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very, yeah, very uh, full circle, as you said. Mm. Hmm. And then, and then basically it ties up. Um, there's a little bit with Matt Matt Murdock, and and again uh, ties up. You say full circle as well. You got him uh, standing in, in a in a plush office um, offered to him by Malpa for for his help, um, and and him actually regaining his um, what do you call it? His lawyer his, line. His law license. Law yeah. license. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's back. He's on the up again. It's um. It almost reminds me, Phil, of have you ever watched that movie Ricochet? Is it Ricochet with uh, Denzel Washington and John Lithgow? It was in the nineties, I think. It was a r- really cool um, seesawing battle. Like you'd see one moment, you'd see Denzel, who's the hero, on a peak, and John Lithgow, the criminal, down in the dumps, and then. It swings, and Lithgow gets the upper hand. And Anyway, it's the same thing with Matt Murdock and, and Kingpin, I see. Uh, Matt Murdock, he's on a high here. Everything seems to be working for him. He's got his law license back. You know, the Kingpin is down, and the Kingpin is at the bottom. But you just know he's going to climb his way up again. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I never saw the movie, but... Yeah, I mean, Matt Murdock lost his law license and born again, so this was years and you know coming for the Kingpin and Matt Murdock. Yeah, yeah, but really a really good issue here, Phil. I'm really glad that you chose this one. Um, I guess oh, no, no real reason to, to to ask you why you chose this. Because your love of the character and and the summation of what this issue is, I guess. 
Oh yeah, just the you know like the big culmination of his battle with the kingpin that had gone on for years, and like we said, just Chichester's uh, writing was just so great. And yeah, yeah, now oh, fantastic, fantastic, and um, I'm glad we are in Avengers Mansion here talking Daredevil, uh, only a part time member, but you know, um, uh, you know he he's uh, revered amongst his peers for sure. <laughs> um. And finally, Phil, we have your big number one issue. Uh, this is a doozy as well. Um, do you would you mind revealing this to our loony listeners? All right, this is Captain America issue three fifty from February nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, uh, supersized as well. And on the cover, we have Captain versus Captain America. I have a few questions about this suit a bit after I'll ask you, um, Phil. But, okay. um, yeah, so this was, uh, so this is titled Seeing Red. Uh, it's a milestone. Mark Grunewald is a writer. Kieran Dwyer pencils with Al Milgram uh, Inca. Jack Morelli letters. Greg Wright colors. Ralph Macchio editor with Tom DeFalco as chief. So, uh, for those Captain America fans, you're in for a treat here. Uh, this is a good one. Um, so, basically... Again, this is a rounding up of, of, I guess there's a lot of lead up to this as well with uh, basically the Red Skull. The, the main players here are the Red Skull, uh, John Walker, and Steve Rogers, right? Yes, yes. I mean, the, yeah, there's stuff in here that's been going on for like 20, 30 issues. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's like a big culmination. Yeah. And this actually has a, a, a story at the back. Which is um, which feeds into actually it's almost like a prelude, right, to to this story. Yes, because yeah, it, it explains how the Red Skull was alive when he yeah. he seemingly died in Captain America's arms in issue three hundred. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so it was really nice and clever to, to wrap things up with that back back story there. So um, let's uh, let's launch into this one, um, Phil. Are you ready? Yes. Cool. Cool. Um, okay, so we get a glorious shot first of, <laughs> of what look what looks to be Steve Rogers. We know it isn't, but um, yeah, nothing but his budgie smugglers, and he's saying, "I'm ready, ready for what?" <laughs> facing facing down five men dressed as Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so with uh, athletic prowess, he um, you know evades some shields being thrown at him. He flips around like a gymnast, and he... Well, it says crack there. I'm assuming he cracks the guy's back. Um, so he's a dead guy, yeah. and that's one looks, down. Yeah. I was going to say, it looks like he lands on him with his full weight. So, yeah, I resume. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we, we basically just get this this Steve Rogers um, basically disposing of these five pseudo-Captain Americas with relative ease, it seems. And he does it with fatal... Fatal Force. Oh, yeah. He gives one the old uh, breaking the back over the knee like Bane and Batman. Yeah, yeah the whole painful stuff. Yeah. And uh, he throws another guy towards the, uh, the spiked wall, but the guy manages to avoid that. Um, but, yeah, he, he uh, ends up... Um, what happens to him? He ends up with a shield in the face. Uh, and I can only imagine... And, and, and laughter immediately after that. So, um, covered in their blood. Covered in blood. Uh, yeah. So, not a very good guy. Uh, but he lights up a ciggy as you do, 
and um, and he walks out wanting more um, more lackeys to train. I mean, this wasn't really a training session for him, was it? It was pretty easy, but no. um, but yeah, uh, I like his little mention of Taskmaster as well. Great, great villain. Um, but yeah, so what else? Uh, what else happens beyond this film? Uh, well, after a cold shower, massage, and change of attire. See, that's how you know he's a psycho. He's a cold shower. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he goes up into this, like, fancy office building. He's wearing a suit, still smoking the cigarette and this fancy little cigarette holder. Uh, he calls uh, Rockwell, like, the head of the uh, Commission on Superhuman Affairs, who, it's interesting, we've seen Rockwell before. We've seen him talking to a mysterious figure, but they never really showed who he was talking to until mm, now. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah. At this point, it, yeah, sorry. At this point, Phil, did you know it was the Red Skull, or oh, you you probably would, yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, I kind of knew because I kind of got in the Captain America a little after this. I I kind mm. of bought this as a back issue, like a year or so oh, later. But okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, cool. So anyway, uh, after that discussion, we. Um, pan to New York City and what looks like the real Steve Rogers is just there buying the paper uh, things are you know things are just um, going on as as per usual there's a, a mum with a, a little child setting up a scene here there are some kids there just at a, a, a stand um, and uh, what's happening here um, oh yeah he talks about Inferno which is a really cool um, big event that happened and yes. and uh, Steve Rogers is kind of really cool. He's kind of going, "Why are the why are the mutants always blamed for these things?" You know, so uh, maybe maybe we should have a couple of mutants on the Avengers. Maybe that will help, like you know, politically um, for mm-hmm. them. So yeah, so very cool. Just a lot of thoughts happening through through Cap's head. And then all of a sudden, this uh, tr- this uh, delivery truck goes out of control. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, he, the guy just the the uh, the effing brakes is out again. Jeez, if, <laughs> if they were out before, you get them checked out properly, will you? But anyway, I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, he's had a problem there, but um, Steve Rogers pounces into action, and we see him in the U.S. agent suit. But this this is a question I was going to ask Phil. Um, is this are we seeing the origin of the U.S. agent suit as well? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the well. This 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 storyline was the first time this was he that was shown, and Steve Rogers was the first one to wear that suit. Yeah, because right. when the government took his Captain America identity and suit, mm-hmm. he yeah he, he his friend uh, D Man gave uh, had this suit made for him. Okay, okay, cool. Because because like an issue or two back, he got his original shield back. Before this, he was walking around with that vibranium shield that U.S. agent usually uses too. Oh, so. okay, okay. Yeah, because U.S. Agent's a pretty cool, um, pretty cool character, I think. And and uh, Walker is is the uh, he ends up with the mantle of, um, mm-hmm. of the U.S. Agent. Uh, yeah, he's an interesting character. We'll get we'll get to it, but he has slight differences to, to Captain America. So anyway, yeah. Um, so Captain America manages to stop this uh, potential ha- accident happening. He uh, pushes the kids out of the way of a swerving truck. Uh, he manages to. Jesse does a lot. Um, he manages to 
catch the baby and an apple pie as well, which um, which is flung into the air when the mum and her stroller is is you know kind of hit I guess by the truck. Uh, she's fine because um, she's straight away up up and about, but uh, good old Steve manages to save the baby and the pie. Yes. <laughs> you know apple pie yeah exactly Man. yeah very <laughs> yeah yeah uh so then we go to uh fort mead special powers compound medical center <laughs> yes and, uh, uh this sorry? this 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 is in the aftermath of the last two issues a villain named flag smasher and a man after john walker as captain america tried to stop him uh mm-hmm Flag Smasher had it like submerged, submerged him in like waters in, in the Arctic Circle, and basically told Battlestar, "Go get the real Captain America, or this guy dies." Ah, right. And, and loonies will know Flag Smasher from the Acts of Vengeance as well. Moon Knight tackles the Flag Smasher, yes. so uh, there's a little link there to loonies. Loonies. Uh, yep. So John Walker is basically yeah, he's in bed. Um, you know, he's been he's been told to. Um, to basically rest up, but he pushes away his friends and um, and family. So this gentleman here, Lamar, um, I'm not familiar with this. Is this Battlestar? Yeah, that's Battlestar. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what is he? What, what's his power? Or, or, or he basically went through the same strength augmentation process that uh, okay. John Walker did. So yeah, he's super strong, just like uh, yeah. John Walker. Yeah, because you don't see him around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he worked for Silver Sable for a while after this, and uh, yeah, you don't see he doesn't get much play anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so John Walker um, says, you know, go away, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, well, he's he's all mad because Battlestar brought in the original Captain America, and uh, yeah. like issues back, um, this group called the Watchdogs had found out who. Captain, who John Walker was the new Captain America, so they kidnapped and eventually killed his parents. And oh, then, gosh. after yeah, after that, he's been getting he. he you think he kind of had kind of a break. He's been getting more brutal and violent. Yeah, that's why this Rockwell's like him and the Commission have been talking. Well, what are we going to do with Walker? You know, we don't need like this like a homicidal Captain America running around. But do mm. we want to bring the original back? I don't know. Yeah, he's definitely more rough around the edges than Steve Rogers. Um, and and later on in the West Coast Avengers, uh, he's always depicted as a bit more, you know, as a bit a bit gruff and a bit blunt. Um, yes. But yeah, you, you get a sense of that here as well, and really well drawn here um, by the artist as well. Like even with the Captain America suit on, he's got that kind of grizzle or that grumpiness on his face that you can actually tell. Oh, that's not Steve Rogers. That's um, that's someone else. Yeah, and he's like a more bulkier. He's bulkier yeah. than Steve Rogers too. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what I was going to mention as well because he's apparently Captain America mentioned he's stronger than him. He's stronger than Captain America. So his um his serum must be a lot better than the Super Soldier serum. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's not really serum. It's um this strength augmentation process that right. um a lot of guys went through like in the eighties. Did you did you watch Jessica Jones season two? Yeah, I did. That that Doctor Malice, he's the one who did the strength augmentation process. Oh wow! Oh, so that, yeah. that ties in. That's beautiful. Oh man, that would uh, what a like an Easter egg for people who knew about that. That would be cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So 
what happens here then next we get uh there's a round table discussion basically with um yeah it's it's basically the commission again talking about john walker and yeah. like you know people you know all the people he's messed up and it's like you know yeah are we gonna get are people gonna sue us or uh what are we gonna do with this guy and... uh yeah 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 and then um we see actually steve rogers break in to confront uh rockwell himself Mm-hmm. Uh, in his US agent, well, I'm going to call it the US agent suit anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, then something terrible happens that kind of reminded me of the Joker. <laughs> um, um, he he gets a call from someone uh, we know who immediately after when a puff of, of red dust comes out of the receiver, and poor Rockwell is uh, red skulled. Yep. Yeah. And there's and, mon- maniacal laughing in the in the telephone as well. It's crazy. And Cap and Steve Rogers is like, wait a minute, it looks like the stock and trade of the Red Skull, but he died in my arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be. Uh, yeah, that would throw you off a bit. Uh, but the gentleman, yep, certainly has a Red Skull. He's uh, a. <laughs> um, and yeah, so yeah, so he um he looks and he sees some cues because he he turns on the video conferencing. He sees that the chair. All of this adds up to to what seems to be the Red Skull as well. Um, at the same time, we get the, the rough and gruff uh, John Walker in the Captain America outfit. Uh, in oh, yeah. yeah. He's, oh, yeah, he's going to the Smith building because we failed to mention he got a phone call in the hospital that said, I know where your shield is. Meet, you know, uh, come to yeah. the Smith building tonight. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he, goes, oh, so he goes all the way up there and he's met with what looks to be... Steve Rogers, but we know it can't be. We now have a sneaking suspicion that someone else. Uh, he's got his cigarettes. He, he's laughing, and he, you know, these sliding doors that suddenly appear in the office um, out walk out um, some uniformed guards uh, from Ultimatum or uh, or the Watchdogs, or um, there's a uh, the Scourge, the Underworld. There's uh, there are a few a few characters here, and it looks like they're going to really test out. Um, Test out uh, John Walker uh, again. The 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 gentleman is, um, you know, still going by the name of Steve Rogers. So Walker's a little bit confused, um, but anyway, so he wants to grab him, um, but he obviously gets uh, ambushed by these armed agents who are in his way. Yeah, it's it's it was kind of a way to show that you know this mis, this mysterious evil Steve Rogers was behind everything mm. John Walker's been through like the last couple months because like I said, there's a watchdog there that's part of the group that killed his yeah. parents. Yeah, yeah. So he is a bit riled up. Um, he is a is very very adept with. Um, I can see he actually he gets shot once, but he's fine. Um, mm-hmm. John Walker, but he's very athletic, very agile, same as um as Steve Rogers makes short work of the scourge uh, and uses a uh, an office chair as a shield uh, and uh, yeah he, he, he basically does does really well um, oh yeah he, he throws the the uh, molten chair at the um, the watchdog <laughs> that can't be good and I love no. this I love this panel it's almost um, what is it the shining um, he, he uh, punches through um, 
Uh, well, the dude topples a table. Uh, yeah, on top of, of the him. The conference tables on top of him. Yeah, and he just yeah. punches through it. And it's hilarious because look, they topple the table onto him, and it's pretty much flat on the floor. It's kind of like Looney Tunes. He's like really flat. But yeah, he punches it through it, and then he puts his head through it, saying "party time." And you know he's going to be dishing out some justice. Yes, and then mean, meanwhile, I mean, we saw John Walker just like walk through the front door. Steve Rogers is like trying to sneak in through the parking garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he makes his way through. Um, and also, we all all get this little. Like, you notice the, that little arm patch of the the security guards. Uh, it was shaped as a skull. Smith. Yep. Uh, Smith guard. Um, yeah, that, that must be a bit of a clue. But anyway, so Steve Rogers comes up and he manages to find a huge flat screen TV with um, with the the Red Skull. It's got to be the Red Skull. Uh, anyway, this is where we get the um, kind of the reveal and Steve saying, I, I thought, you know, you died in my arms, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, he's saying, no, no, I am the Red Skull. Um, and I'm also you. And he's not lying, is he? No, because he put, shows him his face and he says, "Who?" he's like, who is this guy who knows so much about me? Yeah, yeah. But the uh, what we find in the backup story is basically, isn't that right? Zola, like, doesn't he clone Steve's body? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. basically takes the skull's brain and puts it in a uh, clone yeah. of Steve Rogers. Yeah, with, and it, with the super soldier serum and everything. Yeah, so he's literally, yeah, he literally is Steve Rogers as well as a Red Skull. So he's not a liar. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Um, and then there's a bit of a, um, uh, a recap of, um, of basically, um, what are we looking at here? Uh, Captain America, um, basically the, like right before Steve Rogers lost a job, he fought right. a guy named the super Patriot who was John Walker. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, and he's like, and so that this is the guy I got to take over your job and he's all brutal. You know, he killed professor power and he's killed a bunch of watchdogs in your name, wearing your suit. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he reveals all that to Steve, and uh, he, he walks into uh, the room where John Walker is, dressed up as Captain America, but he immediately recognises him, or he suspects it's a super patriot, um, and Walker isn't happy to see him. Uh, at the same time, in the commission building, Rockwell's body is taken away with the gruesome look on his on his head. Um, and basically, because um, everyone, because I, I think Rockwell was the only one like working for the Red Skull, so the rest of them are like, oh, yeah. I guess Rockwell was like on the take, so we're, you know, this this maybe changes things with the whole Steve Rogers thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so that's what the uh, the two are discussing, uh, and then we get back into the action here with Walker just really going at at, at um at Steve. Uh, where is it? What does he say? Um, it's around here that he says that um, he's a lot, yeah, you go, 10 times stronger than me, one solid blow, and it would all be over. So uh, he's been really careful against um, Walker, uh, doing a lot of evasive tactics, um, and uh, using the, the shield, of course. Uh, and he does, he does really well against him. I mean, Walker rips up, what is that? Is it he rips up the floor? And he, uh, I think and, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't lost any of his strength. Uh, but Steve manages... Oh, actually, they, they do a rough and tumble still. Uh, it all culminates to... Um, oh, I, didn't, oh, I didn't want to jump too far ahead, but 
basically, oh god, this still goes. <laughs> I was going to get well, to the well, to the point I was where say John Walker tackles him through the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tackles him through the wall. Um, Steve manages to kind of slip around that and elbows him basically in the face. As Walker's like recoup, uh, recuperating, he looks up and there are screens everywhere of uh, Walker's work as Captain America, which doesn't um, cast a good light on Captain America. Uh, no. on the on the uh, emblem, the symbol of Captain America. Um, so he's staying the image. Um, so anyway, he, he's still wondering, you know, why the Red Skull basically is showing all that. And and Walker comes at him again, um, tries to kick him. Uh, yeah, and there's just a few more blows being dealt here. Well, then Walker's like. He's like, oh, you're a big man with the, with that shield. I yeah, can take you right. without it. And Steve's like, I shouldn't do this, but you know what? He fought me to a standstill months ago when this whole thing started. He's like, here's where I prove I'm like back, and you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's taken strength. Yeah, he's taken on the guy ten times stronger than him. Uh, he does pretty well. Uh, he gets in some good good body shots there, and he um, he gets Walker onto the ground. But Walker just looks menacing after that, and he's uh, he just says, now it's my turn. And um, he launches himself at Steve, but Steve still does very well. Uh, he gets mm-hmm. one one kick in the gut, but he uh, manages. Oh no, sorry, that was that's Walker. He manages to kick Walker, uh, and they still they still tussle. And he's actually dishing out more of the the punches than Walker. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually manages to get Walker to uh, to punch, uh, I guess, a, a substation or something. He gets electrocuted, but he's still not dead. Uh, and he grabs some wires and starts strangling Steve with the wires. Yeah, until Steve punches him in the sides of the head. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah, like he said, I've got to do this absolutely right. I've got to put all my force into it. And he manages to punch him like at his ears, kind of like box him. So he's he's really down for the count. At which, at which point the Red Skull comes out clapping. I'm surprised he's not laughing. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he... Um, uh, basically, I guess applauds him for for you know for fighting Walker, um, doing his big villain monologue. Yeah, his big yeah, there's a big villain villain monologue here, uh, but he's also a bit sly because what he is hoping to do with his cigarette is he wants to release his red dust at Steve Rogers, but um, fortuitously, the dust of death in his cigarette uh, it kind of sprays out and it sprays out more when. Walker actually throws a shield uh, to knock down the Red Skull, and he actually gets a whiff of it all in his face. Yep, so much for Steve Rogers' face. Yeah, now he... Because he, back in the day, Red Skull just wore a mask. Now yeah. he truly has a Red Skull. Yeah, yeah. Is this the first time that it's truly a Red Skull? Or... I believe so, yeah. yeah. I think uh, prior to this, it had always been a mask, yes. Yeah, well, just desserts, because, you know, he no longer has the, the pretty boy face. Um, nope. And he's got to now, you know, resort to the fact that that's, that's fate for him. So anyway, so he runs and escapes. Um, so it's left with the two, the two captains, so to speak. Um, and, yeah, this was really cool. And then, it, then they're kind of faced in front of um, the committee, um, and basically, Steve says he doesn't want his um, clothing back to the surprise of them. 
No, because it was it's been it had been a big ordeal for him to give it up and everything. And mm. I was like, I realized I could do my job and everything without the title and this suit and everything. And mm. basically, then as he's leaving, John Walker flags him down, and says, "Hey, hey!" He's like. Rogers, he's like, who are you kidding? He's like, they're not going to let me keep the job. And he's like, no one else can do the job you do as Captain America. So Yeah, yeah. And I like how this, this – you can see actually in that page where they do discuss it, the real differences in the facial features. You see yes. um, John Walker a lot more rough and a lot more kind of square-jawed. Well, Steve Rogers is square-jawed, but he's a lot more heroic looking. Um, yes. Yeah, so really, really good really good art there. Um, but yeah, no, it, it – um, then ends with um, he puts on the his, his um, original suit again, again. Again, we get another splash page with like no background, just uh, character yeah. and some uh, word word boxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point as well. Yeah, similar to the Daredevil one. It's really nice, very effective um, use of mm-hmm. it, and a great way to cap off the story. So no, that was a, a that was a fantastic um, story. And then there's actually you get a few extra bits here because it's a, a bumper issue. I liked, um, you get the women in Captain America's life, you get the six Captain Americas, which I found very interesting. Um, yes, his part, his partners, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then you get the backup story, which is, uh, essentially, is this a John Byrne? It really looks like John Byrne. Um, yeah, John, John Byrne pencils, yeah, Grunewald no, it wrote it, wrote it again, of course, but yeah, it's Byrne pencils, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this is, uh, this is basically, it's a title resurrection, and, and basically it's, um... Just telling how the Red Skull basically has come back from, well, basically resurrected. I mean, that's a, that's a, the name of the uh, the backup story. Uh, very interesting here. It's it's, um, it's quite wordy in this one actually, but um, mm-hmm. I do love how they've included uh, Adolf Hitler in here, uh, the origins of the Red Skull, um, his upbringing, and and the reasons why I guess he is diabolical as he is. Uh, it goes into the cosmic cubes, stuff that stuff that that kind of touches in the MCU films, which is I found really good. Um, and yeah, you you basically there's also oh, what's her name? Uh, his daughter. She's quite a big player. Sin. Is oh, what? Sin. Sin. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sin. Yeah. So you have that that moment as well where he, he's got her as a newborn and he's about to throw her into the sea. Uh, but he keeps her, um, and she ends up being a real badass herself. Uh, and uh, then just a couple of ventures that you see him, like with him going toe to toe with um, with Doctor Doom and and, and such. Uh, this, this is what, when they go have a fight on the moon. That would that be a pretty cool one to see. Yeah, I I never read that, but that might be from. Uh, I think he was in a few issues of that. Where there was like a super villain team up book back in the uh, day. Yeah, I mean this backup story is it's a little bit of a um it's a nice little anthology of um of a recap of, of Yeah, it's uh, like the it's like the it's like the Red Skull's greatest hits like yeah, leading yeah. up to his first death, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh yeah, it just ends with obviously um the dying in the arms of Steve uh Steve Rogers and uh being reborn basically with a new body. Uh and as you alluded alluded to before, he's got the skull there, the the skull mask. And he chooses mm-hmm. not to take it, uh, but we know eventually <laughs> his face becomes a red skull anyway. So um, would have protected his face. It would have, yeah, it would have protected exactly. Yeah, so he, he, um, he fell down on that point, didn't he? Yeah, so a very good, very cool issue here, Phil. Um, fantastic. It's uh, uh, no 
no reason why. Uh, I mean, so these four obviously are your. These would be your top four books. Um, I, I know it's a hard thing to to try and figure out, but I know you probably have another fifty hundred that you'd love to take onto the island as well. It's a very hard thing to to try to distill into four. But yeah, um, I, I, I it was like a, it, was, it was really hard to pick. So yeah. I figured, okay, let's let's pick some. There's stuff from early on when I first started reading, and I figured mm. these were old enough. A lot of people may not have read them before. Mm. Well, they it certainly are good, and as we said before, these are, are, are great issues for loony listeners out there who may not necessarily collect the titles and, and now might be interested in, in checking it out. Uh, these are all seasoned heroes, so we've got The Flash, Batman, Daredevil, and Captain America, but still, um, if you are more of the, the modern ilk, uh, maybe it is worthwhile to check out the older runs, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, gold in, in, in the older runs as well, and you have writers like Grunwald um, writing. It, it's, it's just a different sort of writing back in the day, but it's very satisfying. So, um, I'm and like sure we it, said, that, yeah. and like we said, that Captain America issue—that's like where U.S. Agent comes from. If you're interested in a U.S. Yeah. US agent, absolutely, and you can see the um, the points where uh, where the movies and you know, as as Phil said, the TV shows have picked bits you know as references so it's a little fun as well to see these things pop up um you know albeit in reverse so if you say watch jessica jones season two and you you start you know reading these older issues it's like oh geez that that, yeah i recognize that guy from from the tv show so yeah it's a lot of fun really good really good stuff so uh we'll put the the show notes on there uh, Phil, I'd just like to thank you so much for, for coming on and, and taking us through uh, those two epic books, but also your four books in general, as well as getting to know you a bit more. Oh, thank you. I mean, I had such a great time. I, I, I'm a listener of the show. I, I, I love being here, being on the other side for once. Oh, it's absolutely fun having you on. And I've got to say as well, um, we had the pleasure as well of actually popping on to your show uh, around the time I think Infinity Wars, uh, the Infinity oh, yes, War the, came out. Yeah. The Infinity War Roundtable, yes. Yeah, so um, Looney listeners, uh, if you want to <laughs> if you want to hear me uh, mix it up with, with Phil and the likes of other collective members like Stu from The Signal of Doom, Adam from Adelan Rising... Um, go check out the Capes and Lunatics episode uh, around the, around the time of, I think it was April I guess then around the time yeah ep- episode fifty yes ah episode oh, oh it was episode fifty yep the big episode yes. fifty roundtable I remember that was a two parter as well so there are two parts we were on part one and then you had a really good discussion with some others uh, in part two because it was just too big to unpack wasn't it. Oh yeah, too many podcasters, and you know everyone wanted to talk that movie. Yeah, oh god, what a what a magical time that was! I I just got the Blu-ray for that yesterday, so I can't wait to watch it again. It's um, it's going to be pretty awesome. Still good, it holds up. It's still yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon. <laughs> um, so Phil, a big thank you uh, once again. Uh, just a final shout out. Where can where can loonies find you on on podcasting? Uh, you can always find all our stuff on the Capes and Lunatics and Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast. I mean, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, and you know, just hit fill up with some questions if you are interested in the issues that he has chosen. If you have some questions about uh, you know, about anything um, about you know, Captain America, Daredevil, all that, it uh, feels very responsive. He's a fantastic, fantastic host and podcaster. So definitely check it out. 
right, Lynn, as well, we are still here at Avengers Mansion. Um, I think, why don't we, uh, since we're here, Phil, why don't we just hang around a bit more? Maybe we can, um, I was going to say, maybe we can have a go at the Danger Room, but that's uh, that's somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can have a go at the uh, Avengers Training Room. I don't know. Uh, give it a go. Um, I'd like where's, to. Where, where's, t- where's Tony Stark's liquor cabinet? <laughs> oh, where's his suits? I'm going to try his suits. Oh on. yeah. <laughs> so um, I think whilst um, whilst we have a look for Stark's tech, uh, thanks once again for listening, um, and yeah, we'll we'll catch you next time. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories, and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.